Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alyndavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Welcome to Kindred Conversations, the show where we shine a light on local mental health professionals who are the unsung heroes of our community. Join us as we delve into their journeys, strategies, and the art of healing minds. Together, we'll break down stigmas and celebrate resilience. Today, I have joining us a good friend of mine from grad school, Alyn Davis, who is a clinician here in North Carolina. She's an expressive arts therapist, and she worked for over eight years with individuals with eating disorders. So this will be the first time that we have someone who specializes in that specific um, area here to talk more with us about the type of work that she does, um, how she got into that, and really what lights a fire for her. Welcome, Alyn. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today, Aubrey. I feel very honored and privileged to be here with you. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, we. Um, it's funny. Last week we had a Leslie grad on too, um, and I just happened to meet her through, um, you know, networking and through this show and all of that. And she joined, and it just so happened that she graduated two years before us at Leslie. So it was a really <gasps> oh, funny wow. coincidence. That is cool. That's awesome. I love meeting Leslie grads, especially since we're here and that's so way up there, you know, it's like, cool. Yeah, yeah. I run into a lot of grads here from like Lenore Ryan in Western Carolina and just like Mm -hmm. uh, some of the more local places. And so it's, um, it's really cool when you run into someone that from a college that most people don't even know about down here. Exactly. They're (laughs) like, you went to where? It's by Harvard. That's what I always say. And they're like, oh, (laughs) like, uh, it's not like Harvard, but it's by Harvard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was something really cool when we were there is getting to just like, you know, walk by Harvard and be like, oh, there's Harvard. <laughs> yeah, no, it really was. I mean, Cambridge is a great little town, I think. It had a lot of character. I enjoyed it for sure. Yeah, And I, I think Leslie had a great campus too, to be honest. Like, they have gorgeous. I always felt like we were kind of on the Harry Potter like seen, uh, you know, in some of those on that one main campus with the beautiful old church and and things that was always so pretty. So. Yeah, I just loved getting to longboard into schools. So. Yeah, yes, you did do that. You were. I always was so like impressed with that. Actually, I was like, gosh, you can skateboard. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's part of how I uh, I stem seek. You know, is like doing extremes kind of sports. You know. Oh, that's it. That's awesome. That's a good. That's a good way to do it. 
Yeah. So tell me about, you know, since you've gotten into practice, you've mostly been working with women. You have done some teenagers, but that's really not the area where you're concentrating. You really like Mm -hmm. working with the women who, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. are going through like body image types of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that I ended up kind of, I feel like, I don't know if led or fell into this area. I never, I never went to school thinking, Oh, I'm going to go be a counselor for eating disorders. Um, And honestly, while I was going through grad school and looking at internships and things, anytime I mentioned eating disorders, everybody's like, Oh my God, you want to do that? Like, those are the hardest. They're so, you know, and I was like, really? Um, So what essentially happened is my internship in our third year, I needed to find uh, a place that would acknowledge um, and accept expressive arts therapy. And for some reason, eating disorders clinics here in particular seem to be a little bit more knowledgeable and open Mm. to that practice. Um, So I actually first I interviewed with Renfrew, which is a, you know, a national um, center that most people have heard that name and, and they actually did extend me, Um, an offer. And then I ended up at a different center that was actually a Medicaid based center um, because they had a music therapist on staff there that could supervise me. So that's how I ended up there. And um, really quick, is that how it works with the expressive arts is that you can really be supervised by any expressive arts therapist, like a music therapist or an art therapist or Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That. Well, at least that was what they said. They said as long as they have one of the modalities that they're, he was board certified and and trained in. Um, oh, that's really the, cool. So you were supervised by a music therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun. I learned a lot from him, and yeah, it was good. It was really good. Yeah. Um. Just to kind of give people some background, right? So there's like different modalities within the expressive therapies world. And Alin specifically concentrates in um, expressive arts therapy, which is more of like a multimodal type Mm -hmm. of approach where there's like art, music, dance, um, sante, writing, you know, Mm -hmm. different modalities. Psychodrama, which is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I want you to talk more about that really quick. But the difference that I'm saying is that with mine, I'm I'm a registered art therapist. It's heavily concentrated just in visual arts. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. my specific modality really dove into that. Whereas (laughs) for you, it's a much more like multimodal approach so tell us more about psychodrama okay yeah so um as you said there's different modalities and one in in the creative arts uh therapy is it is psychodrama which is kind of like drama therapy but it's a little little different um it it was created by dr morano uh i can't remember that i'm really bad with dates um but years and years ago And it probably, I would say, is one of the most powerful modalities I've ever worked with for trauma um, healing because you're, you are acting out or you're watching people act out your story and you can change your narrative and be a witness to it or be witnessed 
And I can imagine that being like so overwhelming for some people. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, so you definitely have to know what you're doing <laughs> if you're going to do this type of work um, because it can go deep really, really fast. Yeah. Um, so there is things that you can do within it that's more of like a warm up, right? You would want to have warm ups to even doing the type of psychodrama that you might do. Um, and you also have to have really a cohesive, if you're going to do it in a group setting, because it really works best in a group because you need sometimes multiple characters. Mm. Um, you really have, they have to really be bonded. I feel like as well and really honor each other and trust each other about you know, that, cause it's very vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. You can get very, very vulnerable, but I also use it individually. Um, and it may look more like what we call like the empty chair method, um, where you either, you know, use a chair that you would maybe visualize someone in front of you and talk with them, or you can also like change places, um, with that person so that you can get like greater insight, um, and empathy, maybe for mm -hmm. that person or have conversations that maybe you've never been able to have or don't think you ever could have. Mm -hmm. um, so I've just seen, it's just an, it is intense. Um, but I also just, it's beautiful to watch. Um, Cause I haven't ever seen anybody come out of it. Not, not change to some degree. Hmm. Yeah. That it, it's an incredible approach. So, and then how does that fit in with like the body image eating disorder type of um, stuff that you work on with people? Sure. Sure. Um, well, I've utilized that, uh, especially with like speaking to different body parts, um, dialoguing maybe with, with that part. Um, especially if you're really struggling to accept it. Um, I've used it obviously in groups as well, just for cohesion, for a lot, you know, therapeutic alliance, getting people to see each other's stuff in, in a way that's more maybe more playful or obviously it's very intimate. Um, I, yeah, I had a, I had a person on a while back and I'll have to try to remember. She was on um, one of the episodes and talking about internal family systems. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe Aaron, you can look to see who that was that was talking about internal family systems. And um, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about it, but she came in, she came on and she talked all about it. And I was like, that we do that. We do that yes. in our therapy. And I know. Our therapy, like, why do I need a certification? <laughs> right. Right. That's so funny. I've been delving into some IFS training recently for myself, just reading you know, some of the books and, uh, really, I really love that whole theory and the, and the use of that. And you're right. It's so easy to use the arts to interact with these different parts. Or I've also heard it said as ego states. Um, mm. so, you know, and so I've actually kind of framed it more like that with my clients when I'm usually working with it is like kind of inner child work slash ego state, you know? So when we're triggered, usually some part of us that was formed at some part in our life, right. Uh, which is the ego state that could have been created. Say like your three-year-old self maybe was the first time that you felt your deepest shame. Um, that is usually the part that we're dealing with at, at the point that you're, you're triggered. 
And so it kind of gives us context and also a way to visualize and become way more compassionate um, f- for these parts and, and do what we call like reparenting them. Mm-hmm. So I talk that, about that with people a lot too, reparenting. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that work so much um, because actually, you know, related to eating disorders, most of the eating disorder stuff, yes, there is body image. Yes, there's food issues. Obviously, we have mm-hmm. to we have to address those. Um, but there, a lot of this is based in trauma that's occurred, mm-hmm. um, you know, or family system that you know the your attachment style is a certain way because of how your family worked. Um, and so it's a so then I use these this parts work in a way to um, help them kind of like reparent them, talk more compassionately to them. And even like the eating disorder is a part, it's not a whole, right? Like I think that's important too about externalizing this, this quote unquote disorder, which is technically what I call a safety behavior um, because you're really trying to survive and protect yourself when you utilize the eating disorder Mm-hmm. And, and then you're able to like separate that out, right. From who you are though. Um, because that's not the whole of them, mm-hmm. right. That's just, some, it's almost more just like a tool in a, in a sense that they've used. And, and so it's been a really great way to kind of just frame that for people. Yeah. And I, I think that this is really a relatable thing because I think a lot more people May, they may not be qualified as having an eating disorder, but I, I think that a lot of people really struggle with disordered eating. Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, like when I am experiencing different um, variations and levels of stress, then it triggers mm-hmm. me to want to like eat more. Mm-hmm. And it and what I realize is that like if I'm having extra cravings for like sweets and sugars and things like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That really is like my body telling me that there's something like wrong, like your body is dysregulated and you yes. need to go back inwards. You need to center yourself. Yes. Like this was yes. happening to me yesterday and I went to yoga last night mm-hmm. and I feel incredible today because like I was actually able to center and ground and like absolutely bring myself back in. And today mm-hmm. I feel so much more in control of like my eating and my behaviors and things like that because it's- like. I feel more grounded, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's why having actually a somatic practice um, that you just include in your daily routine for your mental health, it's just, it's like, I kind of talk to my patients about it like this. I'm like, I'm going to give you a prescription and it's not going to be, you know, it's not a pill. (laughs) So you don't have to, you know, go get it, but it's like a pill that you can take at any time. Mm -hmm. Right. So that means if your your meditation, your mindfulness practice, your somatic practice being like yoga or exercise of any sort, right? Mm-hmm. Your sleep hygiene and your eating are all the basis for a really, really stabilized mental health. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm not working with you because you may have not come to me, because I do a lot of women's issues, period, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've perinatal mood disorders. Um, I've worked with a lot of women that have gone through abuse, maybe leaving their abuser, going through divorce or a huge, you know, maybe a life transition with like a job or even just having uh, maybe the mixing of a family, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe they're blending families and learning about becoming a step parent. Um, That's really where I start is like, what does your sleep look like? What does your eating look like? You know, 
what are you doing for yourself to get movement in? Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and then we can explore the other things, right? Once we kind of tackle that. Yeah, because and we've talked about this in other episodes as well, like somatic really just means it's like body based. What are the physical things that you're doing to take care of yourself? Because that really is the foundation of your mental health. Mm -hmm. And absolutely. Yeah. And so just making sure that that those things are in order. And those things are the things that people have a really hard time prioritizing. You know, I start getting into people into Mm -hmm. it with people about like, their worthiness around self-care and Mm. feeling like their self-care is indulgent Mm. right and being Mm -hmm. taught that they're not they're they don't deserve to be able to take care of themselves Mm. they have all of these other things that they need to take care of first right yes which is essentially why they're depleted right because they're always giving 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 and not not filling their cup up right I have to do a lot of that too really encouraging them to understand that it's not selfish to self-care Mm-hmm. right that actually you're being selfish if you're not is how mm-hmm. I kind of frame it because if you want to show up well for others you if you're depleted you can't you really can't you don't have anything to give and you know what I personally really struggled with this like to me going through grad school and hearing them constantly say self-care just to me it sounded like a buzzword yeah and every yes. single time I tried <laughs> to do it I felt so much shame that like it was really difficult for me to Mm. like want to Mm. get into it. And Mm. so it's taken me years to like finally realize like the Mm. only way that I can show up for others and to really be able to be the best mom, to be Mm -hmm. the best therapist, Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. the best version of myself of all of these Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. is for me to be able to um you know I explained it to a client yesterday like this is like if you have a lamp and the lamp is covered in muck and Mm -hmm. dirt Mm -hmm. then how is that light going to be able to shine for people to see for them to be able to be attracted to you Mm. you have to shine Mm. your lamp you have to really like take care of that lamp that is mm-hmm. yourself in order for your light to be able to shine the brightest and for people to yeah that's to a you. great I love that analogy that's per- I'm gonna probably use that <laughs> 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 I love that a lot actually yeah I, I've you know and something I think I talk a lot about too when we a boundaries of time and saying no more often than yes because I think that is another basis for self-care. Mm-hmm. I know that when I started learning about self-care, same kind of time that was in grad school, but I also had started to learn it as becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. And I, we, I went to this m- mom's uh, group and they would talk about this self-care and they, you know, they did the analogy that I think a lot of people have probably heard is, you know, if, if the airplane's going to wreck and the, and the oxygen mask comes down, who do you put it on first? Mm -hmm. You know, you're supposed to put it on yourself so then you can help your child or whoever else. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is sometimes we have to allow for that time. And, and it is hard, especially in the mom. I mean, I can't tell you how many women struggle with, uh, especially becoming a mom and feeling like they have to be the end all be all the everything, the super mom, um, or, and I'm a single parent. So that almost is harder, mm-hmm. um, for me to not want to take on that role. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, so I had to learn, like, sometimes I have to say no and I, or I have to, I actually schedule in self-care a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can just like, like I've started doing pottery this last year. That was, yes, it's been so much fun. Um, and so like, I just schedule it in, you know, it's like every Tuesday night from this time to this time, that's my time, no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then I also, again, back to your bot, listening to my body and not feeling bad that like, maybe I need to take a nap or maybe I really need to actually just not do anything today. (laughs) And what I tell people is like, a lot of people are not used to listening to their bodies. So you have to actually consciously check in with your body, you know? So Mm -hmm. maybe even when you start out, that means that you're like setting reminders on your phone to do a one minute mindfulness. So that yep, you can just yep. keep breathing and checking in. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. One of the practices I love to share is like body scans, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like rating yourself throughout the day. Right. Like when you wake up in the morning uh, on a scale to zero to 10, you know, where are you at? And that means like regulation, right? Like in your body. Um, and then after then do a body scan, right. It's just a taking a moment just to top at the start at the top of your head, you know, go through your body, pay attention to any, you know, colors, any tight, any tension, any, any discomforts, and then come back to yourself and then do that periodically throughout the day. So then you can start to really also understand more about what your baseline is. Because I I think a lot of people, when we're trying to work with them, because we've all experienced trauma, I mean, I don't know one client that I work with that hasn't, um, is that is so important for them to understand, like, okay, this is where I feel good, and this is where I'm dysregulated. And until they don't, you know, until they have that knowledge, they really can't do the work a lot Mm -hmm. of times they need to do. Listen, living in... And we don't have to get into this. I know we're at the end of our episode, but I'm just going to drop this comment and then we're going (laughs) to. Okay. Right. Is that living in a capitalist society is inherently traumatizing. Yeah. I call it emotional inflammation that we live in. That's what I call it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Ellen, where can we find more information about you? (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. My website is my name, alindavis.com. That's A-L-Y-N-N-E-D-A-V-I-S. Um, and I have a Lynn Davis on Instagram and a Lynn Davis page on Facebook. So you can find me at any of those places. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And for those of you listening, you can find out more information about our show on bizradio.us. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.